Take our Bibles, please, and turn to Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8. Let's look to the Lord in prayer. Gracious Father, we thank you for the wonderful blessings that we have as believers that of access to the throne of grace in prayer through our Lord Jesus Christ, to have forgiveness of sins, to have a home in heaven, to have the privilege of being able to come together around your word to be able to worship you in spirit and in truth. We thank you, Father God, for all that is ours in Christ Jesus. And today, Father, as we open up this divine revelation, your word. Lord, I would ask that today you would enable us to have a clear understanding of its truth. Lord, that we would not just have a head knowledge, but you would apply it to our hearts. Father, we might be all that you would ask us to be to your glory. Give me wisdom this morning, I pray, as I share these thoughts, these truths, that, Lord God, I might speak according to your will, as might say only that which you'd have me to say. And that, Lord, today you be exalted and praised as we study your word together. We thank you now for this day and for this your word. Bless, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Romans chapter 8 is said by many to be the Everest of spiritual truth because it begins with no condemnation and ends with no separation. But it's also a description or a declaration of freedom. First, there's freedom from judgment, no condemnation, Romans 8.1. But also, secondly, there's freedom from defeat. There's no obligation, according to Romans chapter 8 and verse 12, where we read, Therefore, brethren, we are debtors not to the flesh, to live after the flesh. We have no obligation as believers to the flesh. And Paul now in Romans chapter 8 verse 5 through Romans chapter 8 verse 17 declares that the Christian life can be lived on one of three levels. And he encourages you and I to live on the highest of those levels. And the first of these levels is life after the flesh. According to Romans chapter 5, 8, chapter 5, sorry, chapter 8, verse 5 through verse 9. Paul is describing here two kinds of Christians. A carnal Christian and a spiritual Christian, a carnal believer and a spiritual believer. And notice he starts this verse 5 with the word for. And that word for connects us back to the previous verse, back to verse 4. It indicates that Paul is giving to you and I a further description of the two groups of believers mentioned in verse 4. Now the two groups of believers mentioned in verse 4 are, as we read, that the rights of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk not after the flesh but after the Spirit. It's those who are walking according to the flesh and those who are walking according to the Spirit. So here in Romans chapter 8, verses 5 through 9, Paul is going to give to us four contrasts or four comparisons to further explain this matter of walking after the flesh and walking after the Spirit. And the first contrast is after the flesh or after the Spirit, in verse 5, which we just read, for they that are after the flesh do mind the things of the flesh, but they that are after the Spirit, the things of the Spirit. 
Paul gives you and I here an easy way for us to determine if we are walking after the flesh or after the spirit. And he simply says, what you need to do is look where your minds are set. What are you thinking on? What do you think after? And that's what it says. For they that are after the flesh do mind the things of the flesh, but they that are after the spirit, the things of the spirit. They mind the things of the spirit. So what are you thinking about? What consumes my thoughts? What consumes your thoughts day in, day out? What consumes us? You know, the mind is the strategic battleground with the flesh. It's where the flesh and the spirit fight. It's where the flesh and the spirit duel. We live in a world today that is, it seeks to overwhelm our flesh, our minds with information, with entertainment, with everything else that goes on. It is so easy for you and I to become overwhelmed by this fleshly mind and walk after the flesh rather than after the spirit. Notice it says, for they that are after the flesh do mind the things of the flesh. That literally means, for they that are according to the flesh do mind the things of the flesh. That is, those that follow the flesh, those that listen to the desires of the flesh, are governed by the flesh. Now, Romans 8.5 says, those that submit to the desires of the flesh, to the pulls of the flesh, do mind the things of the flesh. Those who live according to the flesh allow their lives to be governed by fleshly thinking, by fleshly desire, by fleshly lust. Like the unsaved, their mind is centered on the things that satisfy the flesh. The word mind here means to entertain sentiments and inclinations of a specific kind. And what it's saying is this, it's saying that it's logical if you go after the flesh, that's what you will think about. Go with me to Matthew chapter 12, please. Matthew chapter 12. And verse 34. Matthew 12, 34. A generation of vipers, how can ye being evil speak good things? For out of the abundance of the heart the mouth speaketh. A good man out of the good treasure of the heart bringeth forth good things, and an evil man out of an evil treasure bringeth forth evil things. It's out of the abundance of your heart that you speak. It's what you're thinking about. What are your passions? What are our desires? What we think about, what we maintain our mind upon, what entertains our thinking in those quiet moments when we're not thinking about work or thinking about school and thinking about those things, what entertains our thinking, what is it that our minds are concentrating on? They that are the flesh has the idea of those who remain under the guidance of corrupt flesh. The flesh controls our thinking. They have their thoughts and their affections fixed on the things that gratify the flesh. Put another way, they seek to satisfy self with visible and temporal, with things of the earth and its pleasures. And you know, even as believers, we sometimes live according to the flesh. And then our thoughts and our sentiments are dominated by the flesh. And we live in a world today that is, makes it so easy for you and I to have our minds concentrating upon fleshly, worldly things. 
You know, it's at our fingertips today with our smartphones. Anyone can access anything they want to at any time, during any moment of any day, and they can fill their minds with fleshly, worldly things. Consume our thoughts with those things, so that our lives are controlled by the fleshly things. We live in a world where our young people will struggle more and more because of the fact that the internet and the access to all the things the world has to offer. Things have changed so much, even in my lifetime. You know, when I was a, a, a young person, when I was a child, and then when I was a teenager, there was no such thing as a mobile phone. You still had those phones that were on the desk, you know, or on the wall. You know, there was no such thing as a mobile phone. There was no such thing as the internet. And uh, TV, when I was younger, I, you know, used to come on in the morning for the children's programs, then would shut down when the children went off to school, and then it would start up again for uh, some uh, midday uh, news and stuff, then shut down again until the kids came home from school, and uh, a show at about 5 o'clock in the afternoon, Blue Peter would come on, I remember that as a child, and, which was a, a science show for young people to teach them uh, in a fun way, science projects and stuff, and then TV would shut down again until uh, after the children supposedly in bed and would open up again for the evening uh, shows for the adults and then that would close down at night and you'd get the test pattern and then about 10 o'clock, 10.30, there'd be a test pattern until the next morning. You couldn't watch TV all day long. You couldn't turn it on during the middle of the... Well, you could. You could turn on the middle of the night and watch the test pattern, but you wouldn't have got much entertainment out of it. But today, it's 24 hours a day. You can watch TV, you can watch Netflix, you can watch whatever you want to watch, YouTube and so on. 24 hours a day, you can watch on your phone, you can watch it wherever you want to watch it. And we are overwhelmed by the world, and if we're not careful as believers, we can find ourselves having fleshly minds. That what we think about all the time is simply fleshly things. And they may not be simple things per se, but our mind is consumed by this world. You know, you might say, well, I don't watch anything that I shouldn't watch on TV. or on. Well, that's fine, but if, we, if that's all we're consumed by, we spend so little time on the Word of God that the Word of God is not our thinking, that the Word of God is not controlling our thoughts, the Word of God is not the first thing we think about in the morning, nor the last thing we think about at night, and the thing that consumes in the quiet times is that we think about the Lord and think about His Word, then we are being consumed by the fleshly mind and we are living fleshly lives. We're living after the flesh rather than after the Spirit. Verse 5 goes on to tell us, though, that we can live after the Spirit. It says, but they that are after the Spirit, the things of the Spirit. They mind the things of the Spirit. Romans 8, 5 reminds you and I as believers that you and I can live after the Spirit. If we live according to the Spirit, we will mind the things of the Spirit. The Christian who walks after the Spirit has his mind fixed on spiritual things. Those things that are God-honoring, those things that are from the Word of God, those things that are related to the Lord, those are walking under the Spirit, are walking under the guidance of the Holy Spirit. And they mind the things of the Spirit. Look what Philippians 4 tells us where our thinking should be. Philippians 4 and verse 8. It says, finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of a good report, 
if there be any virtue, if there be any praise, think on these things. This is what we're supposed to be thinking about. This is where our, our thoughts are supposed to be consumed by. We're supposed to have a mind of the Spirit. We're to think of, to relish, to love the things of the Spirit. We're to love the invisible, we're to love the internal. We're to love those things that the Spirit of God has revealed to us in the Word of God. We're to love uh, the revelation of His works to us. We're to love uh, how God moves and how God operates. We're to love His promises. We're to marvel at the heavens and His handiwork and creation. We're to marvel at the, the trees and the flowers and the birds and God's mar- a marvel at God's creation. We're supposed to meditate upon those things. As Colossians 3.2 tells us, we're to set our affections on things above, not on things of the earth. One commentator put it this way, love heavenly things, study them, let your hearts be entirely engrossed by them. Now that you are converted to God, act in reference to heavenly things, as you did formerly in reference to those of earth. Here in Romans chapter 8 and verse 5, Paul is reminding us that it's impossible to be on both sides. We either are minding the things of the flesh, we're after the flesh. Or we're minding the things of the Spirit, we're after the Spirit, we can't be on both sides. As it says in Matthew 6.24, no man can serve two masters. We can't be on both sides. We're either walking after the flesh as believers or we're walking after the spirit as believers. There is no middle ground. And daily we ought to analyze our hearts to see where we're walking. Where are our minds? Who's winning the battle for the mind? Is the, is the world and the uh, fleshly things winning the battle of our minds or is it the Lord and the spiritual things that win the battle of the mind? Who's winning the battle? The flesh and the spirit are at war with one another. Who's winning the battle? The second contrast is death or life. Look in verse 6. For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Those who walk after the flesh are now described as being carnally minded. And there is a, such a thing as a carnal believer. And he's talking about carnal believers here. Those who walk after the flesh are carnally minded. Now remember the word mind means to think, to entertain sentiments toward, to heed. And that is to heed or desire the things of the flesh. If you heed and desire the things of the flesh, then you are carnally minded. And we're told here that the result of walking after the flesh, being carnally minded, is death. For to be carnally minded is death. For to be carnally minded, or for the mind of the flesh, is death. If we have a fleshly mind, then that's death. That is the way of thinking of the flesh, and fleshly thinking, the result of that kind of thinking for you and I as believers is death. Death. The sure mark of walking carnally is spiritual death, not loss of salvation, because we can't lose that. First John tells us that clearly, that you and I can't lose our salvation. John chapter 10 tells us that clearly. 
we can't lose our salvation. Once we trust Jesus Christ as Savior, we're saved for eternally. We can't lose our salvation. That's fixed, fastened. Justification is complete. Glorification is guaranteed. But during our sanctification, our walk here on earth, you and I can be carnally minded or we can be spiritually minded. And if we're carnally minded, if we mind the things of the flesh, the result of that is spiritual barrenness. It's spiritual death. It's fruitlessness. It's emptiness. It's like a purpose. A life that has no spiritual power and accomplishing nothing of spiritual value for the Lord. Jesus speaks of this in John chapter 15. John chapter 15. Where he's talking about the fruit and the vine. He challenges us to abide in him. And in verse 6, he says this. Uh, sorry, verse 4, he says this. Abide in me, and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself, except it abide in the vine, no more can ye except you abide in me. I am the vine, ye are the branches. He that abideth in me, and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit, for without me ye can do nothing. If ye abide not in me, he is cast forth as the branch, and is withered. And man gather them up, and cast them into the fire, and they are burned. If we don't abide in him, if we do not have a spiritual mind, if we're not spiritually minded, then the result of that is that we will not, not abiding in him, we will not produce fruit. And if we don't produce fruit, he will cast us forth as a branch. We'll be pruned, so to speak. Because we're ineffective for the Lord. We're of no value in spiritual being for him. And even the believer, even as a believer, flesh or fleshly thinking does not produce life but death. You know, fleshly church thinking produces dead churches. Fleshly works thinking produces dead works. Fleshly standards and thinking produces dead legalism. It's true for the unsaved who are fleshly that their consequence of their behavior is death. The wage of sin is death. But it's true for you and I as believers to have fleshly thinking is spiritual death. There is no growth. There is no fruit. There's a barrenness of soul. There is no purpose. There is no joy. Life becomes a drudgery. And we who are saved can walk in the flesh or we can walk in the spirit, but if we walk in the flesh, we will be spiritually dead. We will be ineffective for God. We will miss the joy of a sweet fellowship with Him that God wants us to have. But on the other hand, we can be spiritually minded. Because verse 6 says, but to the spiritually minded, to be spiritually minded is life and peace. To live according to the Spirit, we'll have minds that think on the things of the Spirit. We'll desire what the Spirit of God desires. And the Bible says to be spiritually minded is life. To have the mind of the Spirit is life. To have the mind of the flesh is death, but to have the mind of the Spirit is life. If you want to have life, if you want to have that abundant life that Christ talks about, if we want to really enjoy the Christian life, the place to enjoy it is to have the mind of the Spirit, to be spiritually minded. 
is life and peace. If we tap into the mind of the flesh, by walking after the flesh, we will produce death, dead works. But if we tap into the mind of the Spirit, we'll produce a life that is alive, that is producing fruits of righteousness to the glory of God. We'll have lives that bring joy to Him, glory to His name, and bring peace to our hearts. The truth is that we all find these two opposing thoughts exist in each of us from time to time. We all experience, don't we, the mind of the flesh and the mind of the spirit? I mean, none of us here today, I'm sure, can say, that you put your hand up and say, 100% of the time, every day, 24 hours a day, 365 days a year, all I ever do is think of spiritual things. I am totally and utterly consumed by the spiritual thinking all my life. Well, if you have arrived there, praise the Lord. But for most of us, the reality is that we have these two conflicting thoughts, don't we? We do get consumed by the things of the flesh. We do have fleshly thinking. Things overwhelm us so much so that we find ourselves not spending as much time with the Lord and His Word and, and being filled with the Spirit and having our minds set upon spiritual things. And we have to keep on bringing ourselves back to it. This is the constant tug. These two things are reality. You know, the thought to sin or not to sin. That's a reality with us. Paul mentioned that in chapter 7. The things that I would... They I do not. Those things that I would not, those things that I do, O wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me from this body of sin, body of death? And this is what Romans chapter 8 is all about. How do I get the deliverance from this body of death? How do I get the deliverance from the flesh? We need to realize that life and peace only come as you and I think upon the things of the Spirit, as we mind the things of the Spirit. When we're spiritually minded, we have life and peace. As we allow the Spirit to work in us, as we allow the Word of God to dwell richly in our hearts, producing in us psalms, songs, and uh, other things to the glory of God, then you and I will have lives that are fruitful, that will bring glory to Him we will bear much fruit. And this is how you and I can operate. You and I can have spiritual thinking or carnal thinking. One commentator illustrated it this way. He said, if we have a conflict arise with someone, and we get upset and we are angry, walking after the flesh would mean stewing on what happened, letting our upset remain, gossiping to others, getting people's sympathy and not forgiving and if we walk that way, then our thoughts are fleshly, of revenge, of hate, and of bitterness. And those thoughts produce death. A break, a separation in a relationship. Because you know in the Word of God, death means separation. And so when you and I allow the flesh to take over in situations where there's conflict between us and another believer, then when you and I find that we live in fleshly, it produces death, it breaks the fellowship, this separation between other, us and the other. There's a lack of unity, a division even occurs in the body of Christ. Now we all understand that death is the opposite to life. For things to grow, there must be life. If there's death, Things don't grow, but rather the opposite is true. There's deterioration. 
And that's the case in this relationship. If we allow the flesh to control us when things don't go our way, then it ends up being a, a deterioration. There is fleshly walking because there's fleshly thinking. In the example of the conflict with someone, to walk after the Spirit is to forgive unconditionally as Christ forgave us, or as God, for Christ's sake, forgave us. Go to Ephesians chapter 4, please. Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 32. Let's go back to this. 29, get the context. Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but that which is good to the use of edifying, that you may minister grace unto the hearers. Grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby you seal unto the day of redemption. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice, and be ye kind one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, even as God for Christ's sake hath forgiven you. And when we practice that, then forgiveness in a conflict would bring life. It brings a continuation of the friendship. It brings a continuation of the fellowship. There's no separation because forgiveness, the same kind of forgiveness that God gave to you and I because of Christ Jesus, exists. And as the Word of God says, we would gain a brother. And that in turn would bring peace through reconciliation. Now Paul is not saying here that the Spirit-filled believer will never have any trouble. And that we'll always have a heart and mind that is always filled with perfect peace. But what he is saying is this, walk after the flesh and life will be dead. It will have no purpose. It will be pointless. And there will be no real joy, no real peace in our lives. But walk after the Spirit and we'll find real purpose. We'll experience real peace. We'll experience real life. We will have a life that is fruitful and is joyous if we walk after the Spirit. The third contrast follows from that. We're either at war with God or at peace with God. Look in verse 7. Because the carnal mind is enmity against God, for it's not subject to the law of God, neither indeed can be. The desire and pursuit of the carnal mind ends in a state of enmity to God. Holy, incompatible with true life, peace in the soul. And the verse starts with the word because, because it connects us back to verse 7. For to be carnally minded is death, to be spiritually minded is life and peace, because this is the reason why the carnal mind is death, because the carnal mind is enmity against God. The carnal mind, the mind of the flesh, is the enemy of God, is at war with God. They're on different sides. There's a conflict that exists between the mind of the flesh and the mind of the spirit. There's a conflict that exists between the carnal mind and God. It's a different way of thinking. And conflict exists. There's a war that exists. 
And then he goes on to explain it further. Because the carnal mind is enmity against God, that's why it's death, for it is not subject to the law of God, neither indeed can be. The word for there is the same word as the word because at the beginning of the verse. Because it's not subject. The carnal mind is an image with God because the carnal mind is not subject to the law of God. The carnal mind does not think like God thinks. The flesh does not think like God thinks. And because we do, the flesh does not seek after, the carnal mind does not seek after the law of God, we are at enmity. If we're walking in the flesh, we're at enmity with God. The reason for that enmity is that, as quoted in verse 7, it's not subject. It's not subject to the law of God. Doth not submit itself to the law of God. And then it says, neither indeed can be. The carnal mind is not subject to the law of God and it cannot be subjected to the law of God. The flesh battles against God because it does not want to be crucified. It doesn't want to be surrendered to the Lord. This old flesh does not want to do what God wants it to do. It does not want to die. The Bible tells us that we're to crucify ourselves. We're to die daily, but our flesh doesn't want to die. Our flesh does not want to give up its power. It does not want to give up its authority. It doesn't want to live out. Galatians chapter 5, verse 24. Galatians 5, verse 24. And they that are Christ have crucified the flesh with the affections and lusts. If you live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. Not desirous of vainglory, provoking one another, envying one another. Verse 24 again, and they that are Christ have crucified the flesh with the affections and lusts. If we're going to have the mind of the Spirit, if we're going to be spiritually minded, then the flesh has to be crucified. The flesh doesn't want to do that. The flesh doesn't want to surrender to the law. The flesh will never submit to the will of God. For the flesh stands in opposition to the will of God. Hence, the carnal mind is not subject to the law of God. The word subject there is a military term, or not subject is a military term, for subjection to orders. It has the idea of continued insubordination. And what the Bible says here is the flesh stands in continual insubordination to the law of God, to the will of God. It's an enmity. Because it's not subject, it's not in submission to God's law. It will not submit to the law of God. The mind of the flesh rebels against God. And the constraints of the law, it wants to fulfill its desires without respect to the law. And you and I can see this everywhere, especially in the lives of the unsaved. Give it a law, give it a rule. And the unsaved want to rebel against that rule, against that law. It makes something legal, and soon they'll lose interest. In fact, you and I can test whether someone is walking after the spirit, after the flesh, 
by their reaction to God's law and the righteousness of the law. If God's law and the rights of God's law causes people to re- act in rebellious reaction to it, then they're not walking in the spirit, they're walking in the flesh. They may well be unsaved, they may be saved, but they're walking in the flesh. They're walking after the flesh, they will be minding the things of the flesh. And in that state, they cannot be in submission to the righteousness of God's law. And they will rebel if they walk in the flesh because they have no choice. Notice what it says, neither indeed can be. The flesh is not subject to the law of God and it cannot be subject to the law of God. And therefore, if we're walking in the flesh, we will not walk in the spirit, after the spirit. We will rebel because we have no choice. Because we're carnally minded. The fleshly mind just cannot submit to the law of God. And so to walk after the flesh means that it's impossible to please God. And because it's impossible to please God, we're at enmity with God. We're at war with God. When we walk in the flesh, we're at war with God. We're not submitting to the law of God. And what we need to do as believers is we need to surrender to the Spirit we need to not be drunk with wine where there's excess, but be filled with the Spirit of God. Surrender the Spirit. Seek His will. Meditate upon the Word of God. Spend time in this book. That's what the psalmist said in Psalm 119. He said, Thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against Thee. Thy word is a lamp to my feet, a light to my path all way. Wherewithal shall the young man cleanse away by taking heed to the Word of God? Read Psalm 119, it's an exposition on the Word of God's impact upon the spiritual part of you and I, upon the mind of the Spirit. And as you and I meditate on the Word, as you and I spend time in the Word, as you and I think about spiritual things, then we're spiritually minded, and we're spiritually minded, we'll bring glory to God. We will have life and peace. But allow the world and the worldly entertainment and the worldly philosophy to consume our minds, so that's what we spend all of our time thinking about, then you and I will be fleshly, we'll be carnally minded, and we will not be able to obey the Lord of God. You just render the Spirit. You just seek His will. It's the only way to have real peace and happiness. the only way to truly enjoy life. As a believer is to mind the things of the Spirit, to be spiritually minded. The fourth contrast is pleasing self or pleasing God in verses 8 and 9. It says, So then, they that are in the flesh cannot please God. But ye are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit. If so be that the Spirit of God dwell in you. Now if any man have not the Spirit of Christ, he is not of his. Now, Paul here is giving a conclusion to us to give us a bit of an understanding about those that are in the flesh. And notice the change of wording here in verse 8. So then, they that are in the flesh cannot please God. The conclusion is that those in the flesh cannot please God. Now, in the flesh here speaks of those that are unsaved. He's kind of shifted tack here for a minute. 
to explain something to you and I about us as believers, and he talked about those in the flesh, the unsaved. For believers cannot be in the flesh because we are in Christ. Look in verse 9. But you are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit. If so be that the Spirit of God dwell in you. You're in the Spirit. When you and I got saved, we were placed in Christ. That's Romans chapter 6. Okay, we're placed in Christ, so we're not in the flesh. We're not unsaved. We're in a different situation. Now for the unsaved, as he says in verse 8, for those that are in the flesh, they cannot please God. It's impossible for the unsaved to please God. doesn't matter what they do. doesn't matter how godly they live their lives. doesn't matter what they do. They cannot please God. Hebrews tells us that. If it's not a faith, then it is sin. They can't please God. It's not possible for the unsaved to please God. And so those in the flesh, those who are unsaved, cannot please him. And the truth is that they can never, ever please him. That's why they need to get saved. That's why they need a savior. That's why they need to have their sins forgiven. They need to be washed with the blood. They need to be justified, redeemed, because it's the only way to have a relationship with the Lord. So those who are unsaved, those who are in the flesh, can never, ever please God. But the same is true for those in Christ who walk after the flesh. He's making a contrast here. He's saying the reality is that that walking in the flesh is the walk of the unsaved. It's the walk of those who are lost. It's the walk of those who cannot please God. It's a deadly walk. We are in Christ. We have the, the Spirit of God indwelling us. You and I can walk in the Spirit. You and I can mind the things of the Spirit. You and I have been given new life. We're no longer in the flesh. We're no longer walking as the unsaved. We're no longer in the flesh. But you and I as believers can walk after the flesh. And how dumb is that? We're walking the dead man's walk. We have this glorious new relationship we have the indwelling Holy Spirit. We have the mind of we can have the mind of Christ, and we're told to let the, in Philippians three to let the mind of Christ dwell in you richly. And we do that by the Word of God. Look in Philippians chapter three. I can find it. I didn't write in my notes. I think you all know the verse. Maybe it's not fleet. Three. Two. Uh, chapter two, yes, thank you. Uh, let's read from verse one. It says, If there be therefore any consolation of Christ, any conflict of love, any fellowship of the Spirit, of any bowels and mercies, fulfill ye my joys, that ye be like minded, having the same love, being of one accord, of one mind. Let nothing be done through strife and vague glory, but in loneliness of mind, let each esteem other better than themselves. Look not every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of others. Let this mind be in you, which is also in Christ Jesus. And being in the form of God, though not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, that took upon him the form of a servant, who was made in the likeness of men, 
and being found in the fashion of man, he humbled himself and became a being unto death, even the death of the cross. Wherefore, God also highly exalted him and gave him a name that is above every name, the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in, every t- in heaven, of things in heaven, things in earth, and things under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, the glory of God, the Father. Let this mind be in you, which is also in Christ Jesus. We'd have the mind of Christ. We're to walk in the Spirit. We're to have the mind of the Spirit. We're to think spiritual things. But as believers, we can walk after the flesh. And if we do, we're walking a walk that is dead. God delivered us from that. He redeemed us. We've been justified. We've been set free. The old man is dead. We don't have to walk after the flesh. But if we do, then we'll have lives that are dead spiritually. See, the same is true for believers. We cannot please God. If we walk after the flesh, then just as it's true for the unsaved, those that are in the flesh cannot please God. If we walk after the flesh as believers, we too cannot please God. The only way to please Him is to walk after the Spirit. There is no other way. Paul has shown us in Romans chapter 7 verse 15 through Romans chapter 8 and verse 8 that the believer's battle is not between the old man and the new man. The battle that you and I face is between the flesh and the spirit. The outer man, our flesh, and the inner man where the indwelling Holy Spirit exists are at war with each other. There's enmity that exists between them. And the way of overcoming the pull of the flesh which is under the influence of the law of sin, is through the law of the Spirit. Through walking after the Spirit. And it's God's Word that shows you and I the way to walk after the Spirit. To obey the Word is to walk after the Spirit. There is victory for the believer over the flesh, through the Spirit, and through his sword, the Word of God. Now in the remainder of chapter 8, verse 9 and right through the end of the chapter, Paul is going to outline for you and I the relationship that we have as believers to the Spirit. Okay? So he's kind of, kind of taken us a walk down the path of this battle that we have with the flesh. In chapter 7, a wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me from this body of death? Chapter 8, the way to get delivered from the body of death is to walk in the Spirit. The flesh is with us, the battle rages. Now he's going to turn and tell us the relation of the Spirit to believers. How the Spirit is going to give you and I the strength to do what he's talked about. How we can tap into the strength of the Spirit to be able to walk after the Spirit and not after the flesh. But that's next time. Because we don't have time for that today. Today the challenge is for you and I to daily mind the things of the Spirit. To think on spiritual things and not fleshly things. The challenge to you and I, and it is a challenge and it is a battle and it is a struggle for all of us, is that you and I would be spiritually minded day in, day out, to the glory of God. Let's pray. Gracious Father, we thank you for your word this morning. We thank you for this challenge, Father, to be spiritually minded. 
We know, Father God, that it's such a difficult struggle for us as believers. Our minds are bombarded so much by that which is contrary to the mind of the Spirit that we become numb to the things of the flesh and therefore we don't walk in the Spirit. Lord, help us to be spiritually minded. Help us to be spiritually alive in our minds to the glory of God that we might walk after the Spirit and after the flesh and might have life and peace to your glory. Commend your word to our hearts now we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.